Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Rudo, Megan, and AJ coming at you live on an off day for the Colorado Avalanche, but still interesting going on in and around Colorado hockey as uh, Sean Barons is back at DU after his adventure. Uh, to the World Junior Championships, bringing home the bronze medal with Team USA. Uh, Megan, you had the chance to to talk to him and a, a bunch of folks down at DU today. <laughs> yes, I made a point to talk to their head coach, David Carl, but also Dallas Ferguson. He runs the power play at DU. Obviously, Sean Barons is a big part of quarterbacking their top power play. And he's also worked with Barons a lot on the details of his footwork and skating. And so that was a really important person to talk to and just touch base with. And there are so many connections between the Abs organization and DU Hockey. Dallas Ferguson played and coached with Wade Klippenstein, the director of amateur scouting for the Avs. And so I also just wanted to touch base with him because Barons was scouted and committed to DU when he was in ninth grade. They've been very familiar with him for a long time. So I wanted to learn a little bit more about if they had conversations around, you know, Barron's draft year and learning a little bit more about him. And it did sound like Wade Klippenstein talked to Ferguson and Tavis McMillan also has that same connection. Um, so a lot of different people, a lot of different connections, but big guy, man of the hour was talking with Sean Barron's and catching up with him. You know, there's no shame in winning a medal on an international stage. I know was probably defeating to experience the loss of the Canada game and then go into that Sweden game, but he still walks away with a medal and a bright light on him now at the international level, the collegiate level. A lot more attention is being paid his way. Certainly an adventure to get that bronze medal either. It's not like they went into the bronze medal game and just walk their way to it. That sweet, what, it ended up being seven to six, I think, at the end of the game? Seven. Eight to seven? Okay. Mm-hmm. Over time. So, uh, yeah, not, it's not like it was a free roll after the loss to Canada by any stretch either. Um, I, I'm curious from both of you on, on where your thoughts are from Sean Barron's. I know AJ led on on this a little bit with his predictions piece that he released the other day, which you all should go read. Uh, but Megan, I, w- I want to get your thoughts on where you think Sean Barons is headed towards the end of this season as well. I personally think he will make the leap to the pros. My personal belief is that it would be the American League to start, but that is maybe what I would suggest versus what is really going to happen. Could be completely different stories, but the organization stays in contact with Barons throughout the course of the season. He touches base with Brian Wilsey. Sometimes they go out to dinner and Reinbrecht as well. Um, they touch base pretty frequently. So it doesn't sound like much has changed in terms of what he told me last year. He's going to evaluate things at the end of the season and hear from the Avs too. Like that is the other part of the equation is seeing what they feel about his next steps. Um, but He's really focused on chasing down a national championship again this year. So can't really get him to commit to saying either way, but based on what he said last year and what he's saying now, it still looks like he's eyeing the end of this sophomore season as that possible point of launch. I I would take it one step further and honestly at this point expect him to sign 
Like not just ah, he's he's not going to talk about it, but look, it's good. I would say it's not a lock, but pretty darn close. So I guess my expectation would be he's in the pros. What is a realistic impact for this kid at the pro level from what we've seen at WJCs, from what we've seen at DU? Is he pushing for an NHL spot? Is he pushing to be an impact player in the AHL playoffs? Or is he just getting raw pro experience? It's hard for me to answer because I even felt this way with Justin Barron last year that I wanted him to get some looks in NHL games, but I didn't feel he was ready to be an NHL regular full-time. And he had spent a little bit of time in the American League. And so similarly, I wouldn't feel comfortable recommending Sean Barron's for that just because of the stark difference in the pace of play and the rigor of the schedule, which we've talked about in other pods. Um, and just looking at someone like Wyatt Amit, who was his roommate in dev camp, he made that transition from college to pros right at the end of his season. He gets in a couple pro games. They were definitely rough for him, and that was at the American League level. These are two really different players, right? Barron's is a different pedigree of player, but for the reason of the almost shocking difference in pace in how games get played at the pro level, I think it would really benefit Barron's to get in a few American League games before we consider NHL. For what it's worth, we talked about this with Ben Myers. Like, if it's similar to Ben Myers getting in games at the end of his college season, and that is what happens with Barron's, where they evaluate how he stacks up in an NHL lineup through a few games with the intent of him going to the American League full-time next year, I would endorse something like that just to experiment with how he stacks up in the NHL presently. Yeah, the Ben Myers thing was also about money. You know, because the Avs could the Avs could give him the extra hundred thousand dollars or whatever uh, for the five games that, for five games played, and that was part I... of like that was part of the incentive of him signing and all that. And I don't know that I don't know that they need to make those kinds of concessions with parents because uh, he's he's not a free agent. He's not like free to go and negotiate that with another team. Um, I so I do still think that the just the smartest, likeliest scenario is that he get, he signs, he jumps into the AHL, he gets uh, a pretty significant role with the Eagles that gets bigger the deeper they go into the postseason, assuming he plays well. Do you want to talk about so, that? Do you want to sidetrack us for a second as well, though, is that's just going to be how this show kind of goes. Uh, ben Myers and the difference... Uh, in Sean Barron's situation is Myers could not play in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. And obviously this is super hindsighty and, and stupid made up fantasy world stuff. If Myers could have played in the playoffs, would the Evs have played him last year? No. You think that there was no chance anyway? Alex Newlook was a healthy scratch in the first round against Nashville. Yeah, I know. I'll... That team, that team was just deep. Okay. They had they had extra guys that they were comfortable with just kind of lying around, so I don't think Ben Myers would have played. Which can circle around to Barons, AJ. You have him in your predictions a piece as as a key piece in whatever the Eagles do in those playoffs. Mm-hmm. The Evs certainly today aren't very deep defensively yes their top six when healthy insane but even number seven 
pretty questionable right now. Yeah, right now, uh, given given who they have signed, if the Avs walked into the postseason with this group, who would be your preferred seventh defenseman? Let's say all six of the regulars are healthy, but who is the first guy off? Who, who's the first guy off the bench for you uh, if an injury happens? I'm asking both of you. It kind of depends on who the injury happens to and what type of player they're trying to replace. Because um, it's it still, to me, even with the Barons in consideration, I would probably feel more comfortable with a, an Andreas Englund type or a Brad Hunt type, depending on who got hurt. Should I make AJ mad right now? Who is it? Dmitry Kulikov. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> I said on the uh, roster right I now. Know, I know. I I think it's pretty clean cut England based on the caliber of play that we've seen out of the three, four guys in that conversation. I, I just, any, any scenario that you're bringing in the seventh guy, you're bringing him in to play third pairing minutes uh, and you're just trying to survive with. And I think England is the one that has given you the steadiest play of the bunch he's certainly not going to help you offensively but that's not what you're asking out of a role like that well we say that right because i agree but right now andreas england getting scratched for curtis mcdermott in the doghouse and i see it and he certainly had a couple of rough games leading up to this scratch but I've, we've talked enough about where I'm at with Curtis McDermott as a defenseman. It's just, I'm not about it. Something to me that felt really revealing about last night's game is the fact that Jacob McDonald's wife has just had a baby. And I could see like with an England and a McDermott, they put McDermott on the fourth line, shelter him completely, England on the bottom pairing, and give Jacob McDonald a night off to be with his new baby. And it's really revealing, like, we actually really want you in the lineup, Jacob McDonald, because we really don't want Andreas England. And it feels like the message is made all the more powerful because of that, but I also might be dramatic. I think it's a fair point. Uh, the leash certainly felt awfully short for a guy who gave you 14, 15 pretty stable NHL games. And and 100%, his two games that led to the scratch were really bad. He had some yeah. really bad issues. Yeah. But it's not like Jacob McDonald's defense was, was stellar. And I get it. They moved him to forward, and then that's the whole thing that we don't have to get into again. But it, well, it, it's thing, interesting though. They could have the given McDonald that night off, yeah. played McDermott at forward, and had England on defense, and... Normally, I would say what would have changed, but Curtis McDervin had a two-point night. <laughs> Fair point. When you're right, you're right, I guess. I don't know. When I when I went looking to write studs and duds last night, I was like, who the hell was a stud? Easy Curtis McDervin? I found two guys. <laughs> who was your other? Just Miko? JT Comfer? Yeah, JT. Okay, fair enough. JT deserved it. Definitely had the had the big clutch goal, if nothing else. Uh, really? Anyway, just had a big goal. 
Nope. Had to be a and it's JT Comfer, so it has to be clutch. That's the rules. <laughs> Got to yeah, be qualified like that. that. <laughs> uh, anyway, I did want to did want to circle back around to to Barons and the the DU club, uh, another team trying to defend their championship. Uh, I I wherever you want to take that, Megan. What's the what's the vibe down at DU beyond just Barons? They're really competitive, even after winning the title last year. They've stayed very high in the power rankings. They are kind of going into their stretch run now, though, so these upcoming games are going to be really important. They're taking on Miami, a team that last year and this season has struggled. They're struggling less this season, but they're still struggling. So I'm actually going to cover the game on Friday um, to start getting a little bit of a feel for how DU is doing in the stretch run because there's no conflict and... I'll be going to Ball Arena later this month to also cover the DUCC games. So I'm excited to see it. Um, they have some talent coming up through the ranks in their forward group to keep an eye on players like Aiden Thompson. And obviously Sean Burns is a huge part of their decor. Um, he has begun to found, find ways to score 5v5. You would look at his numbers and see that his offense has tapered off just a little bit. But there are parts of his game that he's figuring out different from what he succeeded at last year. We saw in the WJCs how this offensive defenseman became really reliable defensively for Team USA. And we're seeing how this player who was able to produce easily on the power play last year is finding some offense outside of it. So even though the offensive numbers are down a little bit, lots of steps forward being taken with Barons. He wears a letter in the WJCs. I asked Dave Carl about the leadership um, and he definitely sees those qualities in Barron's and you know like if there was a future where he continues on at DU that would be something that he is eyed for and then I asked Carl about if there's something like a Stanley Cup hangover at the NCAA level in college and he talked about how because of kind of the differences in the schedule and the rigor there are moments where the team can look a bit complacent but it is something that they've actively worked to avoid throughout the course of the season is targeting moments where players might seem a little bit complaints. And, and I think that reflects in where they are at in the standings right now. Um, they are still like, competitive this year, despite losing some really key players. And they'll definitely be one to keep an eye on. They still have great goaltending and some of these young players, these freshmen are stepping up offensively. So it's going to be a team to keep an eye on, not just for Sean Barron's. Uh, obviously a team loaded with NHL draft picks and, and all sorts of talent. Uh, despite what was kind of a weirdly slow start to the season for them, uh, yeah, they're a lot better than I thought they were going to end up being the way things started. I, I do want to have one more conversation about World Juniors and Barons. Uh, I, we've talked about this off-air. I don't know if we've ever brought it up on the show. Based on WJCs, Sean Barron's greater than Luke Hughes? Luke Hughes had a horrible tournament. <laughs> Actually, I don't think I can say that. There is a weird section of the internet that's very protective of him, and I am afraid Ooh. for my life now. <laughs> Y'all thought I... Megan had knives being protective of goalies? The, like... Luke Hughes people are on a different level. 
Are they Luke Hughes people? Are I they, had no are they issue Hughes? with his summer person. No, summer doesn't count, all right? It's what have you done for me lately. It was a rough showing. I honestly, like, there were things... You remember how young these players are when you see where some of the mistakes are getting made appear to be emotional. I feel like some of Hughes' decisions to dominate possession of the puck and just merry-go-round the offensive zone create turnovers that lead to odd man rushes against like stem from a lack of experience and some growth to work on mentally and I, I don't mean that to come down as the harshest criticism it's more so to point out that he's so young that there's time for that sort of thing to improve yeah luke hughes's wjc performance reminded me a lot of the last quinn hughes performance at wjc's where offensively you got it it made sense Wow, look at all, look how dynamic he is. Look at all the things that he's doing. Look at the plays that he's, he's created. And defensively, you're like, are you okay? Like, Sean Barron's was like his designated adult during that tournament. So it was, it was kind of a weird performance uh, from Luke Hughes. I was, I was disappointed in a lot of ways. It's it'll it'll be interesting and and obviously the pedigree of their different draft positions is pretty obvious. Uh, but I I am curious, especially we've seen the Avs be pretty darn successful in getting defensemen where they need to be defensively pretty rapidly, pretty early on in their careers. Sam Gerrard. Bowen Byram, Kale McCarr, all of these guys that have have put together the defensive side of the game fairly quickly. I, I'm hopeful that Sean Barons can follow that same path at the at the pro level to a certain extent. Uh, on that note, we are brought to you by Illegal Pete's. Uh, if you got a New Year's diet. They got you covered over at Illegal Pete's. They have endless options of fresh ingredients that can fit in almost any diet or dietary restriction. So it's a no-brainer to get over there and just eat it to be healthy. So you can check out their 10 Colorado locations. They have happy hour from 3 to 6 p.m. Uh, it's just awesome. And their burritos are, like, ridiculously delicious. So there's that, too. Uh, you got to get in on it. You got to get over to happy hour. Uh you can get their beers, or if you're uh, if you're having dry January, they have some of those uh, zero alcohol beers as well. So, whatever suits your fancy, they've got you covered. Uh, Illegal Pete's go-to spot for burritos, buddies, beer. There's one right by the bar. You can get food there. You can come to the bar. You can have a great time. It's a uh, it's a win-win, win-win, win-win. I don't know. I don't know how many wins was that. Like five. It's a lot more wins than the abs have been picking up lately. I'll put it that way. Uh, we're also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. You can go over there, use code DNVR to get in on a bunch of odd boosts, including getting yourself set up to bet $5 on any NHL team to win their next game. And when they do, you get $150 in free bets. So jump on that. Go get yourself the big dollars to go bet on whatever you want. Someone, uh, I forget who you were on Twitter if you're watching this. I'm sorry, I don't remember your handle. 
sent me a, a new sport that you could uh, gamble on, theoretically. It was car wrestling. I don't know if you guys saw this clip. I think they tagged AJ in it too, but two like judo mixed martial art guys get into like a sedan in the front seats and the, the wheels taken out. So you have a little bit of space and they both buckle themselves into the seats and then they say go and they unbuckle themselves and wrestle in a car until one of them taps. So. That's so absolute madness absolutely insane that this is a thing that even exists let alone the fact that you can bet on it so get over to DraftKings. you said car wrestling i thought you were talking about cars like transformers going at wrestling (laughs) and i was like what we have like crane operators getting involved in this now like i i did not see this video uh but wow (laughs) I don't know why, but you could bet on it with DraftKings. <laughs> uh, use the DNVR code when you sign up for a new account. It must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See the show notes down below or DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, a little bit later in the show, we're going to do some five-minute topics where chat can give us a bunch of topics that we can rant and rave about. Don't even have to be hockey-related. Before we get to that, AJ had an, an interesting conversation about Edmonton, as it certainly looks like Connor McDavid is on his way to another MVP-caliber season. But you're sitting in a boat right now where both Colorado and Edmonton, both Western Conference final teams, are on the outside of the playoffs looking in. Obviously, there's context there. But if you have Connor McDavid on pace for, what is it, like 160 points this year right now or something like that? It's 150. 150? Okay. Sorry. What a bum! She sucks. Uh, if he if he's producing at that rate and it continues and Edmonton misses the playoffs, what does Edmonton do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that silence. What do you do? Well, I think where I think the where I think the conversation is interesting is the contrast of the two. You know, the McDavid era Oilers. That was their big moment, the getting swept in the conference finals by the Avs last year. They get to the conference finals, they dominate the Battle of Alberta, and then they win zero games. And they had some, you know, obviously, uh, Darnell Nurse uh, had a torn hip flexor. And uh, Leon Dreisaitl could, like, barely move. So, you know, they had some issues there. But that's the high watermark of that era. Uh, They haven't consistently made the postseason. They are basically relying on Stuart Skinner being like a top 10 goaltender out kind of out of nowhere. And not really out of nowhere. Like he's been like their top goalie prospect for a while, but also like very little NHL experience. They spend a lot of money on Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner's just like, it's my job. Sorry. 
is that going to continue? Or is this just a case of a guy having a good two months? How many times has Edmonton finally had the answer in net because a guy had a good two months? I mean, Miko Koskinen literally got a three-year deal because of that back in the day. I mean, that was like a good two weeks. So, I think it was 16 games. Was it that um, long, really? Yeah. Uh, so, you're like, you're 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 talking about, hey, look, if the Avs miss the postseason this year, nobody's getting fired. Jared Bednar's not getting fired. Chris McFarlane's not getting fired. Joe Sackick's not getting fired. None of these guys are going anywhere. There won't be major roster upheaval. Um, there will be a certain level of context about how Colorado's injuries derailed them as the year went on. That they they just never got healthy. With that, with Edmonton, yeah, you've got you've got the Evander Kane freak injury hurts them, but that's about it. And so. I, I mean, you have to fire Ken Holland. But what is a new GM going to do differently now that he has a maxed out cap team, very little flexibility, uh, and you're, you're not talking about high draft picks. You're talking about, you know, wherever they finish, they're probably going to be in that, in that middle of the first round range. They missed the postseason. It's not like they're going to be a bottom five team. And their chances of winning the the lotto and moving up the maximum ten spots would be minuscule, like 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 in the one percent range. Yeah. So they're in trouble. Like like they they're in such a different position from the Avs because the Avs are like, well, half of our guys are hurt. We've got a huge problem, and that we just can't ice our roster. Edmonton's problem is they've iced the roster and it's not very good. I I know we've had this conversation before and I know the reality of it is it's it's virtually impossible but is at what point and I'm talking over the course of the next couple of years here does Edmonton have to start considering moving Connor McDavid I what 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 return do you get Let's just assume I, Connor McDavid was a pending UFA this season. Sure. Just, 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 uh, you know, whatever. What the hell do you trade for that guy? The moon? I don't know. <laughs> Could a team actually muster a big enough deal to for Edmonton to get value? I honestly don't know. Well, let's say let's say he tells that he's Edmonton. gone. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm not signing another contract with you. I'm leaving in the in the off season. Uh move me at the deadline like up uh, whatever. Um uh, but I'm not I'm not re- I'm not signing another contract with this organization. So you have to trade him. Megan, is there a value answer that doesn't include a bunch of DU players? <laughs> yeah, actually I have a really good trade proposal. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I you're right. It would have to either come down to McDavid seeking this out himself, and you know that whatever Edmonton gets in return is just probably not going to come close to equitable. Even still, it also would be something like um, Edmonton feeling to go full Chicago Blackhawks and clear house. But this is the mo- this would probably be the most nuclear I've ever seen that type of clear house ever happen. If that did, I. 
I can't really imagine it, but it feels like it's also a source of so many of their problems that their identity is rooted so firmly around Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl that I don't know that they have much of an identity outside of him that they need to think of ways of how to have an identity without Connor McDavid, even if it's not literally without him. Yeah, that's it's just so hard to put together a team identity like that. Uh, and, and I don't know anything about the Oilers locker room. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about the Oilers locker room, but at what point does a relationship like that become untenable? I have no idea. Well, and I mean, at what point do you start wondering if Connor McDavid is the guy that should be wearing a C? Yeah, a fair point. You know, this, this is a question I've asked for years because to me, when I watch the Oilers, and it's when I've watched the Oilers over the years, it just feels like Connor McDavid wants to play hockey. You know, he's he's an unbelievably talented player. He, you know, I didn't get to see Gretzky very much when I was younger, and I only got to see him at the end of his career. Uh, and I've got to enjoy all of Sidney Crosby's career. But, I mean, Connor McDavid is, is one of the two, one, one or two most talented players I've ever gotten to watch in my life. You know, he's he's unbelievable. But that doesn't mean that he should be the leader. It doesn't mean that he should wear the C. That we McKinnon talk all the doesn't... time about Nathan McKinnon, Nathan McKinnon, not, not wearing the, the C and how we think that's a good thing. You know, I mean, yeah, he's got an A on his chest and that's fine. But, uh, you know, how different is Colorado's locker room if, if Nathan McKinnon is the buck stops here guy? You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's just a, we don't know what that looks like, but we certainly know what it looks like when he's not. And when he has a guy like a Gabe Landeskog to kind of be the leader, to be the emotional center point. How much would it help both both McDavid and Dreisaitl if they had a guy that was interested in that? Because neither one of them has ever seemed interested in that job. They've never seemed, you know, I think they take it seriously and they try. But you're either you're either meant to be in a leadership position or you're miscast. And that's just the nature of leadership. And I just, I just don't it, know that they've got the right answer there. You know, it's it's interesting looking at the recent history of champions and and who wears the C on those teams. Obviously, you have those Pittsburgh teams where it's Sidney Crosby, who's you know been that the guy there forever and and is their best player and yada 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 yada. But then you have this Tampa Bay team where once upon a time, Steven Stamkos was their best player, but captaining their back-to-back cups, he was not the best player on those teams. Yeah. So I, I do think it is an interesting conversation about who exactly fits the role of a captain on any given team. And it's not always the person you might necessarily think. Now, I... Yeah, well, and they may not... They may not just have a better option. Like Carter McDavid that's might be the guy it. best suited for the job at the organization. If that's the case, you know, then that's the case. But they, like, we've been spoiled in Colorado. Okay, we we went yeah, we walked no out of we walked out of the Joe Sackick era, took a hop, skip, and a jump through some other great uh, some Avs greats, and landed on Gabe Landeskog. 
Yeah, like the, Colorado's history with captains has been obscene. The forgotten abs captains are just like two all-time avalanche players ever. And then you yeah. end up with Landy, who's already an, another all-time abs captain. Yeah, like Gabe Landeskog, whose number will be retired, and when he goes into the rafters, it'll have the C on its chest. Like, the in Colorado, this has been an interesting thing because we haven't had this problem. You know, like, we there, there's been a clear-cut captain. There's been an adult. The, there's been that adult that you wanted in the room that you respected. Because even when Colorado was, was down bad, you looked at, you looked at Gabe Landeskog and, and when the trade rumors were flying around and when it was, are the abs really going to move this guy? Gabe Landeskog goes to Joe Sackick and says, don't, I want to be here. I want to, I want to, I want to bring the cup back to Denver. I want to make it work here. Please. If you can, if you can not do it, don't trade me. Uh, and to me, that's a, there's your leadership. That's a guy that's dying to make it work in a city. But also all the other things, like Gabe Landeskog's a great captain. One of the one of the best in the league. It's hard to quantify, of course. But he's been he's been a great captain and when he got when he got drafted, that was the whole thing. Like wasn't he the first European import player to ever captain in a CHL team? Like that so, guy yeah. That guy has been an adult since he was like seven years old. Like, like Gabe Landeskog just gets it. He's just that. He's just had that maturity about him, you know. And it's it's hard to do. It's hard to find a guy that can be that, but also be a steady presence on the ice that can be a difference maker for you. And blah 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 blah. Because Tyson Jost is is another guy that you could say that guy has all of the things that you would you would say the, all the all the hallmarks of being a great captain with the maturity and the way that he leads and the way that he approaches the game and the day to day but the on on the Just on ice stuff player yeah holds him back there Landeskog's great with that and when you look at the Oilers you wonder is if if that if the the dual role has always been too much I, so technically both Landis Gug and McDavid were the youngest captain of all time at the time of their captaincy naming. Yeah. Landy was just first, and then McDavid got named captain at a younger age. Um, Megan, in your thoughts on, on captaincies in the NHL? I, 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 the two men are gushing about Landis Gug again on this show. So, No, it it's games like last night that you really feel his absence because there's a lot happening in the 40 minutes where the game goes really sideways that you have to wonder if the way that he leads that type of influence would have changed the trajectory of that type of game. And it's not to pin that on one person's shoulders, like Gabriel Landeskog makes the entire difference in that game. But there is a difference in how players lead, how a player like Connor McDavid leads. Even looking back at Milan Hayduk's captaincy, like, he was a more lead by example type of captain. And there's a lot of benefit in having that type of captain, but Landis Gog has been both. He's also a vocal leader. He's not afraid to talk about things like, I look back at last season when he talked about face-offs and Nazem Kadri, it was brave of him to talk about that knowing that 
it was probably going to face some kind of consequence, whether it just be backlash or otherwise, but it was the right thing to do. And I think that's what earns trust and why players are willing to lay it all down and put it all on the line when they have a person like that at the helm that it's not to be understated, especially when his on-ice performance also adds a stabilizing force to the lineup. And that's where I think Connor McDavid is like a Nathan McKinnon would be as a captain. He leads by example. He's really talented. He elevates the players around him. But I don't know vocally if he has the same hold over the locker room the way that Gabriel Landeskog does. Players don't want to disappoint Gabriel Landeskog. I don't know if players feel the same way in Edmonton about disappointing Connor McDavid. Yeah, I... Thanks. I, I, as a total vibe check, and this is totally based on vibes, you see the culture of the avalanche around it with everyone rising to the occasion of leadership when necessary, when everything is clicking for that team. And obviously the Cogliano stories are everywhere at this point, but everybody in the locker room stepped up for the abs at this time or that time. And you just don't hear those same kind of stories coming out of places like Edmonton and, and other teams that struggled Buffalo and another great example of at times, just a straight up toxic culture that they had there. Um, yeah. So it's, What's, it's a rare what, what thing to find. Remarkable about the Avs success though, is that there was a toxic culture in the Avs locker room. <laughs> Eight, I mean, nine years ago, during, absolutely, yeah. During a time when Colorado's leadership core was here. Yeah. It didn't take an overhaul. It was Eric Johnson. It was Gabe Landeskog. It was Nathan McKinnon. Like, some of those guys, you know, you know, Landeskog was around when you know, J- John Sebastian Jaguar is talking about going to Vegas and stuff, you know? Like, you know, and, and, and Kyle Quincy gets moved at the deadline and says, oh, there's a lot of guys in that room with their bags packed. You know, Matt Duchesne, lifelong Avalanche fan, is like, please get me out of here. You know, like, there was there was a culture problem, and then those guys, <laughs> those guys, those guys left, and then the guys that stayed built a new one, which is, I, I would venture a guess to say pretty rare, that when you're talking about overhauling culture, it's usually not guys who have gone through a bad one. Making a good yeah. one. It's kind of it's kind of wild to watch, to be honest. It, internal growth is the best, I guess. Um, Chet, we are going to do a segment here where we take a topic from you and talk about it, rant about it, ideally, for five minutes. So start putting topics in chat that you want to see us rant about for five minutes of time. Doesn't have to be hockey-related. can be what, literally anything you want. And uh, while, Doesn't while have you guys to be are... rant-related either. For the yeah, record, it's true. We it, have could, a it could be anything. It could be any topic. It doesn't have to be rant related, but it, some of them will get ranty. That's that's just the reality. Uh, while we wait for you all to get those topics in, we are brought to you by the amazing people over at Game Time. You can get your tickets today through the link down in the description of this video. Just go down to the link, click on it. Over 15 million people have used the Game Time app where you can get up to 60% off face value price for tickets. So you can get great deals, whether it's going to the Abs, the Nuggets, or any other sport, not just in Colorado, but around the country. They're the best way to get in. 
check them out. They will show you the seats available. They will show you what the views look like, all of the good stuff they have you covered. Uh, and if you use that link in the description to go to game time, it helps us out a little bit too. So be sure you click on it and go through it that way. Helps us, helps you get a good deal on tickets. Everybody wins. And we're also brought to you by the wonderful people over at Breckenridge Brewery. You can go to breckbrew.com to get more info on them. Uh, they have amazing merch. They have amazing beer. They do it all. They're they're just the best all the way around. And we we can announce it now, right? The the Mile High City Golden Ale is a thing that exists. Uh, I'm not the best person to tell you about it because this is this is the Nuggets thing to go in on. So yeah, go the hit up the retro Nuggets, party but... is on Friday night this week. Yeah, exactly. They got their whole retro thing. They just dropped their new retro shirt. Uh, the Nuggets Nuggets vibes are the opposite of Avs vibes right now. So if you want good vibes in Colorado sports, Nuggets stuff is the way to go with a little bit of Breck Brew in your hands. <laughs> uh, third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, yeah, here, can can we get five minutes on the clock? So I can pick one of these topics. Uh, I I see one down there that I I am curious about from Brendan Lindley, who says craziest travel story. Boy, Thinking I don't hard. know that I have one. Yeah, I don't know that I have one right off the top of my head. All right. You guys let me know when you guys want the uh, timer to start. Uh, you can start it right now because I have one. Uh, so this wasn't a hockey-related travel story, but I went to Florida for a family reunion. Uh, and we got there. The, the plane ride was totally fine. We get there. We get to the Florida airport. And there isn't a single car place that has cars available for rental. Now, we had checked out a car before we got there. They didn't have any cars. Not not just our place. No place in the entire airport had a single car available. We end up literally, like, sleeping at the airport. We're there for, like, eight hours, and we got in at, like, 10 at night. So we, we just end up sleeping at the airport they're going by one by one as people are driving rental cars back into the place. They're like speed running, wiping them down, cleaning them off and giving them to the next person in line so that they can like start getting through all the people backed up waiting for rental cars in this airport. And we finally like get one as the sun is, is coming up and go about our trip. But it was a it was a long day at the airport, to say the least. Out of rental cars. Ugh. Yep. That's crazy because the only time I've ever rented a car, uh, they had like a whole, it was in Vegas and it was like a whole complex. Like it was like an entire parking yeah. garage full yeah. of rental it, cars. There was, it, they had an entire parking garage. It was just empty. I have no idea how it got like that. Like they must have like had a double booking problem in their system or something. That's wild. I would be upset. 
<laughs> if I got to an airport and I had I'd booked a car and I and I'm like, you have no cars. How? Yeah. There's something about getting to that part of the travel day, like after you've gone through everything else before, that would frustrate me the most. Like that was the moment of reprieve. That was when I was supposed to finally be nearing the end of the travel. I would really hate that. I don't know. Craziest travel story. I've really not. I mean, it's, it's weird because I've had like, there have been like incidents when I've traveled um you know like i i went to vegas for the um abs prospect tournament when it was held there a few years ago and on the way home um i had so we had gotten edibles for the trip and when i got done working i was free to partake right but we had leftovers on the last day and I ate all of them and went to the airport and was very, very high <laughs> and could not stop giggling at everything. <laughs> and this included, by the way, um, getting on the plane, having a mechanical problem, getting off the plane, getting on the plane again, having a different mechanical problem, getting off the plane having the plane get replaced, then having the crew get replaced, getting back on the plane and flying home. But I mean, it's more of a, anybody that's ever traveled with Frontier has gone through that. Um, but not when they're high as fuck. But I was very high while it was happening. <laughs> and so I was not 100% sure of where I was. And I had gone to, you know, those Hudson newsstands? Uh, that are in airports, I had gone and I had bought $60 worth of snacks. Because no. again, very high. And I had bought $60 worth of snacks. And so each time I got on the plane, I start like unloading my snacks and just being like, it's Snack Mountain over here, baby. And like, I was trying to give them away to the people around me because I was feeling very generous and gregarious and like, haha. People were I'm not interested. Exactly. I was like, snacks, snacks. Do you want some checks mix? I've got five variations. Let's do this. Uh, and yeah, it was, I was, I was very, very high. So I was not sure where I was or what I was doing most of that time. I maybe, maybe that's my craziest travel story just because I, the, the situation that I had put accidentally put myself in, um, made it the way that it was have you ever had a, an item confiscated by tsa oh yeah what was it well we'll never know time's up yeah oh. time's up can't tell you <laughs> I love no that. i i uh uh it was a bottle of cologne oh okay lame yeah yeah not interesting not a knife <laughs> yeah no weapons i've never no uh they did think that there was something in my bag one time where they like all lost their minds and it turned out, I don't know what it was showing on the x-ray, but it turned out to be my laptop battery. Uh, and yeah, I, I have no idea like what, uh, like what the deal was with that. But yeah, my laptop battery like set off like a, 
a small mini panic in me when all of a sudden I'm getting pulled aside and there's like six agents like surrounding me who are like, you need to come with us. And I'm like, what the? F and then they like go through all my shit and there's my laptop battery. They were like, uh, oh, guys, there is a bad. timer for a reason, just so you know. <laughs> she looks, she, she has to follow a question. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about this one from Ryan who asks most overrated TV shows and movies. Uh, my answer for these types of questions usually tends to be all of them. So I, I want to know what you guys think are, are TV shows and movies that are overrated. I Off the top of my head, I struggle with this because you like what you like. For sure. I think the better, I think the better question is underrated because an overrated show is one that you're probably not going to spend very much time how... on. How about this? What popular shows do you not like? Let's change it to that. Breaking Bad. Um, it was too depressing and miserable. Every episode, everybody's life was like the worst life ever. And everybody was really angry and miserable. And like, I just, and, and it came out at a time in my life where I didn't need more negativity in my life. Uh, and so I, it did not resonate with me at all. Fair. I, I never, I watched part of season one and never got into it because I didn't watch it like when it was coming out. So I just never felt like catching up on it. I also never watched it. I don't think the plot would have appealed to me based on what I knew happened in the series. So I don't think that one would be for me. Uh, Z has recently introduced me to Mad Men, which I didn't under, like I didn't get. I wouldn't say, I'm not going to say it's over. I, I haven't watched enough of it to say it's overrated, underrated or whatever. Um, I am confused why people think John Hamm is obscenely hot. Because this is like a thing that I see on the internet. And I just don't get it. Like, I just don't think Don yeah. Draper is like that cool of a character that I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want to be Don Draper, but I, you know, whatever. He also had a really horrific hazing incident in college that I've never been able to find him attractive. It was... You should look it up. It was, like, not good. Interesting. Sounds bad. It was really yeah. bad. Uh, I, you know, I watched all of Modern Family. That was a show that probably went on, like, two or three seasons too long. Um, but it was, it was fine. I, Big, I Bang, got... Big, the Big Bang Theory for me has always been frustrating because... Big Bang Theory, I think, is what a lot of uh, I've always said it's it's what stupid people think smart people are yep. act like. Yeah. And at the same time, Big Bang Theory was on and gaining popularity. There was a show on HBO, uh, on HBO called Silicon Valley, that was a show about smart people written by smart people. And the contrast in those two shows is enormous. Uh, because Big Bang Theory is like these nerdy dudes who are all obsessed with women. And Silicon Valley is these nerdy dudes who are all obsessed with nerdy things. <laughs> and from my experience as a nerdy dude, being obsessed with nerdy things is a lot more accurate. I 
I gotta know what shows Megan hate watches though. I hate yeah. And we're not letting you get out of this one without answering. There is a Spanish television show called Elite, and it's it's like Degrassi but Spanish and like in this modern era. And I definitely I don't even know if I hate watch it. I very happily watch this show. <laughs> You know it's terrible, but you don't care. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> there's okay, even I should clarify. There's murder in every season. There's always every season revolves around a mystery, and they're trying to discover like what happened in this crime, and they allude to it throughout the entirety of the season. Like it's it's not exactly that lighthearted, but neither was Degrassi, so I think that was a fair comparison. I don't remember a whole lot of murder in Degrassi, but... <laughs> there was murder, but not that much. Drake died in that show, by the way. <laughs> Almost died. <laughs> but someone did get killed. Someone was assaulted in Degrassi. Like, uh, gang-related, or, like, street crime. I don't remember what it was. I mean, that sounds like Degrassi. I would I would say, uh, if I... If... A show that I watched a lot of that I thought was insanely overrated was How I Met Your Mother. Mm, Everyone in that show was a terrible person, and it was just not very good. That's time, fellas. All right, we're safe. Uh, another one here. Uh, I don't know who said it. I'm I'm not going to look it up in the chat. But biggest surprises of the NHL season so far. Yeah. Oh, that's a sad one. Honestly, fair. I mean, just the way that the injuries have held them back from ever getting their footing. It was one thing when it was like Gabe Landeskog is out until February or whatever. Um. Okay, but all the other shit that's happened, come on. Um. Yeah, I think uh, Tage Thompson's ascent is a really good answer too. From like, hey, he scored a bunch of goals last year and he was a pretty good player. To, oh, now he's a night in, night out, absolutely dominant player that is like dragging the Sabres out of their like decades long pit of despair. I think the pieces coming together in Boston as successfully as they had or have um, surprised me. Not, you know, like I had hope that. Monty behind the bench but then they have these players that are on the last legs of their career still very talented but you wonder like is it sustainable can they have another good season and goaltending can they have solid goaltending like all of these pieces coming together as positively as they have we're only halfway through the season surprised me just a little bit I will say uh, Columbus not that I expected them to be super good, but I didn't expect them to be easily in the Bedard conversation. They made the big splash with Johnny Gaudreau in the offseason, right? They were a team that wanted to start at very least pushing towards being a quality team, if not getting all the way there. And they're not the worst team in the league right at this second, but pretty close. It feels like this won't land well because of the timing but do you feel similarly about Kachuk in Florida uh 
I feel like a lot more weird about Calgary's side of it, to be honest with you, than Florida's side. It's a good yeah. point. A good call out. Yeah, because I remember distinctly saying during our season preview videos, I was trying to find more ways to sell Florida stock. I was trying to be more down on them than I was, and I should have just followed that instinct. Um, I think CBJ is definitely a good one because nobody saw their goaltending completely falling apart. Yeah, like Elvis has been a disaster. And I think that's the biggest surprise here is that coming into the year, that was like, hey, with Johnny Goudreau, I mean, you have Johnny Goudreau, Patrick Line as two wings, and then you need a center here. You know, Boom Jenner, Jack Roslevic, Kent Johnson, um, uh, the Stellinger kid. Who's gonna Who's gonna step up here? And then it all just goes sideways in such a horrific way. And now it's like, well, boy, Connor Bedard sure would look good between Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Lydé. <laughs> so now you know now you're in that weird zone again. But I do think that um, Florida. Not being as good was predictable, but being where they are was is a surprise. But Calgary, definitely. Uh, Calgary is a big problem. I Again, getting incredible luck with the health up there. Not struggling to ice the lineups that they would really like to ice and just losing a lot of games. You know, Jacob Markstrom was so good last year. To see him uh, have the year that he's had, I think, has been really surprising. Yeah, I, I, it's still early enough that like some more weird stuff is going to continue to happen. Totally. But I think all of those are, are reasonable answers for the first roughly half of the season for surprises. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't I saw know. somebody mention Seattle and Dallas, and I guess I just won't agree because in our preview series, I was really high on both, and at for different reasons. I do think that Seattle has uh, the kind of shooting percentage yeah, that you don't think is going to continue long-term. If Seattle is in this spot at the end of the season, then I'd be a little surprised. Uh, I Winnipeg, I just, the culture, uh, the, the culture flips so quickly. Again, the culture seemed to get turned over overnight without any major personnel changes in the room. That's not super common. I think that's one of the bigger surprises too. There you go. Uh, do we have any super chats? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I know we're, we're like adjusting stuff on the back end. So everything's uh, weird today. No super chats. All right, cool. Do we want to do one more topic or are we getting out of here? Let's do another one. All right, chat. Give us give us more topics, and I will pick the yeah, most Megan insane one. <laughs> I want to play the game where we kick off the topic by one word answer, and then okay. we can elaborate more. But I want Done. us to hear like our gut reaction to whatever the next topic is. We're doing that on whatever this topic that comes in is. Then, if it's okay, a name, well, it can be a first and last name kind of thing. I don't know. Don't know anything about knives, so. We don't need 50 or a minute. I don't know. I was going to say 50 seconds. It's machete moving on. <laughs> need one second for that one. 
I come from a long line of women who carry machetes. <laughs> now, Machete the movie, was that any good? I have never seen it. I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through either, to be honest with you. I don't... Like, I'm, Danny Trejo seems like a great guy, but I don't understand the appeal of him as, like, a superstar actor. He's not. He's the same character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give me Crocodile Dundee's knife. I'll take that answer. It's like a Bowie knife, right? But it's like insanely huge. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Best N64 game. Superman 64, easily. Wow, okay, go home. <laughs> Get out of here. Home. Leave this stream and never return. Look, the real ones know, okay? Superman 64 was groundbreaking. That's why it cost $80. <laughs> I, I, something was breaking, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't think we can talk about any of these for five minutes. No, you're right. These are quick, quick answers. What's your favorite N64 game, Rudo? Uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time by like a lot. Mine's actually Mario 64 and that next to Ocarina of Time. Those are the two greatest games ever made. Mine is Super Smash Brothers if I get to play Captain Falcon. Just Falcon I punching can... people over here? I was going to say <laughs> Megan Falcon punching people just fits so nicely. <laughs> My origin story. I don't want to face a falcon punch with a knife. I'm scared now. Yeah. No, In between every knuckle. Yeah, she's got machete fingers. Like Wolverine style? Like Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, the OOT is not the spiritual successor to Mario 64. They're two completely different games. Yeah, they were developed alongside each other. Yeah, at the same time. <laughs> uh, also, I, I think I'm the only person on this podcast that knows anything about wrestling. So, I learned a lot about car wrestling today. <laughs> That's like real wrestling, sort of. The one that I actually watched, the dude choked him out with the seatbelt. It was crazy. Give me five seconds and see if I can find it real quick. Just show a quick <laughs> clip of it. I could, like, send it to you. Hang on. Yeah, send it to Alex Simons. I'll just send it in the private chat. Okay. Wrestling sounds like a game children make. Like, the floor is lava. All right, guys, we're going to wrestle, but we're going to buckle ourselves in first. And then on the count of three, we're going to unbuckle ourselves and fight. <laughs> All right, so Megan's done this before. Yeah, Megan's, Megan is a master oh. car wrestler, clearly. <laughs> you guys didn't play this game growing up? That's where she, she I... learned the art of the falcon punch. <laughs> It's like wrestling, though. You can't, like, punch each other, really. Which makes it super... I guess there is a steering wheel, even. That's crazy. Did you get it? Yeah, okay. yeah. 
when you want to tap out, do you just use the blinker? Not yet. That would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the guy just taps like a normal, but they should. That should be how you tap. If you can't reach it, you die. You die. Oh my gosh. I guess I could just. No, I can't really share it effectively. It would like. Have not everything. received it yet. It's in guest chat. Oh, what I'll other, see it now. Megan, what other video games have you played that you've enjoyed in your time as yeah. a human? I'm curious. They have been introduced through my siblings, so they're very random. Um, Oblivion and Skyrim were part of that. Right. I... This is very important. Which one is better? You're gonna. I know I'm gonna have the wrong answer. It's Skyrim for me, but I feel like that's the wrong answer. That's perfectly fine. It doesn't matter which one's better. <laughs> you guys ready? I guess. So yeah, they buckle themselves in. From an Instagram someone... account called Yup That yep, Exists. That exists. Yep. And then they they have to unbuckle themselves and wrestle in a car. I and don't I, know. Why are they wearing I think, white? Because they're wearing like jujitsu outfits. The I forget what they're called. Geese? Yeah, geese. People still have sex inside cars, dude. This is just foreplay now. <laughs> anyway, this round. He's got that. Whoa. He just chokes him out with a seatbelt, which is crazy. I, I'm more interested in, in Megan's video games, though, to be honest with you. It's such a random assortment, like, come to think of it. Because there were the NC64 games like Mario Kart and Mario Party with my whole family. I'm trying to think what other ones. Um, Yoshi, I don't remember, like, what the game itself was called, but where you played as Yoshi. Um, so a lot of, a lot of those games... Um, there's some really, like, I could describe the plot of them, but I don't remember the title of them. Some really no. interesting games. My yeah, other, we're, my we're doing like... this. We're playing Guess the Game by a Megan plot description. Yeah, I'm like, this actually <laughs> sounds like this could be kind of fun. Okay. It's obviously too in the past, so I might be remembering very weird details, but perfect. the, the center character had some sort of issue with memory loss and they would go into their dreams and they were trying to unravel some kind of mystery like there assassin's creed the original or something oh no but assassin's creed was one of the games played but this one was um there was a fantasy component to it like in the dreams in this dream world there were sheep and there were a lot of there was a lot of symbolism um I think I'm explaining it so bad. It sounds like some weird Kingdom Hearts shit, but I don't know. I it's... mean, it sounds like Alan Wake. Oh, mm -hmm. we played Alan Wake too. Um, what's the name of like the? Is Alan Wake the one where you have like flashlight and lighting and it's guiding you through? Okay, yeah. that was one we played too, but it was different from this. But honestly. Knowing you know what Alan Wake is, they're probably in a very similar 
Were there block puzzles? I think it's Catherine. That person's right in the chat. All right. Chad undefeated. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. I can't believe they got that off of what I described. I don't even know that game, so got yeah, me gamers, beat. Gamers know what's up, okay? <laughs> you get a bunch of gamers in a room together, you can. we could do this for hours. You could poorly describe a lot of things, and we'll figure them out. Honestly, Alan Wake was in my memory bank, too, and I don't know how I was going to describe that one. Um, okay, so there's there's a, there's a lake, right? Is it Mama, <laughs> Mama Yaga? No, I don't even remember. It's oh, okay, so okay. Uh, okay. What is what is this? Oh, it's the Catherine. Catherine. Uh, okay, Nintendo. Switch I honestly Catherine. remember so little about that game. It was like a fever dream. Sounds about right. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about Alan Wake. I sat down and beat the entire game in one day, and then never uh, played it again. I don't know who asked that, but I'm thirty. I guess 31 now. Whatever. Wow, so old. Oh, yeah, ancient. I'm 35. I will not be answering. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Burger Time is... I love playing Burger Time in the, uh, in the arcade. Did you guys ever play Dance Dance Revolution? Oh yeah, yeah. we had a dance. I played a lot of everything. editions of them. Yep, we played it at the arcade in our uh, at Katie Mills Mall. Uh, we would go and like get into big groups of people. We even had Dance Dance Training Camp when we decided to get good at it. So we would show up. We would show up at. Don't you laugh? We would we would show up at nine a.m. when they opened up and learned how to play that game when people weren't there. So that when people were there, we would be good at it. It's a true story. <laughs> this happened. That so much. What is so funny over there? <laughs> Unbelievable. Dance Dance Revolution training camp? That's... Yeah, we had Dance Dance training camp, 9 a.m. Saturday mornings at Katie Mills Mall. Let's go. I was very cool in high school. I I thought I was good at that game for a little while, but then I met people who are actually good at it. And like I was okay. I wasn't bad. But the people who are actually insanely good at that game, holy cow. Yeah. I was not the best in the friend group David was, but I was fine at it. Like I liked it. And then we bought it and you knew it started to get bad when we started listening to the soundtrack while we were playing other games. Oh yeah, that was, that's that was when it was like, good. okay, we need uh, we need to tone this down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. Let's see, weird. What's like the most obscure game that you've played? I wouldn't even know. Yeah, me either. I think I, I played up there. Yeah, I played I would, a game I recently called Emily is Away. To me, that was obscure. I don't know if other people have played it. It was fine. That sounds familiar, but I never played it. 
There's like uh, there's a few installments in it. That sounds cool. I mean, it's like you're you basically just like chat with people on like a Facebook Messenger. Literally, that's what you do. Like you make decisions about how you're going to approach social situations in high school and get different endings depending on what you do. There you go. What's yours, Ruto? Uh, obscure games? I don't know. I've played a, a million obscure games that I've forgotten about, I'm sure. But uh there there can't there's no way that that many copies of the the britney spears dancing game on playstation 2 was it or was it playstation i think it's playstation 2 did either of y'all ever play the burger king yeah sneak like, king yeah yeah the one we had to like creep around the neighborhood yeah and stuff. yeah yeah amazing <laughs> Yeah, and you did it as the Burger King, so of course it's the creepiest thing ever. Oh. <laughs> yeah, somebody actually speedruns that game at uh, uh, Awesome Games Done Quick, which is on, by the way. It's that time of year. Yeah, it just started up. Oh, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Did you guys ever play that? Yeah, played the first like many of them fun fact the the first two i think were entirely created by one guy yeah the first several of the tycoon series i thought were cool and then i was like okay i get it Dude, now i watch her play planet zoo all day long and i'm like <laughs> man these games have come a long way because yeah. i remember like being blown away by sim city in like 1995 or something and being like, you can even choose to have a tornado destroy half your city. This is so cool. <laughs> yeah, the Monkey Island series is a nice throwback. They just remastered that, too. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. Old school, old school puzzle games, man, I think are a lot of fun. All right. We've been going for, like, way over an hour. We got to wrap it up. Uh, yeah. We appreciate all y'all hanging out with us for a fun little off-day show. Uh, hope y'all enjoyed it. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Avs playing again, taking on the Blackhawks. So, you know, <sighs> throw some good positive vibes out into the world. We love y'all. First will... time I'm saying this all season, but must win. There you go. We'll talk to you next time.